0: So, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks um, about some characters that were around the manger. We're calling this series, Faces Around the Manger. So, in week one, we looked at the shepherds. In week two, we looked at Joseph. And today, we're going to look at Mary. Mary. God's humble servant. And so to do that, I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1 in your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look this morning at verses 26 through 38. Luke 1 and beginning with verse 26, if you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, as we look at this incredible passage today, we pray that whether we're here in this room or whether we're watching somewhere at a point in time, that we would see the truth of your words through Gabriel, that nothing is impossible with you. And so we pray that today would give us vision to see that, to see who you are, and that you would speak your love deep within our hearts today, that we might go forth and share it in the power of the Spirit. And we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, in May of 1992, um, I graduated from seminary on one Saturday. Uh, Melissa and I got married the next Saturday, and we, we immediately left for our honeymoon. Part of which was the Southern Baptist Convention. Really romantic. I said last week, I was pretty clueless on my wedding day. There's no greater evidence uh, for that uh, than the fact that we spent part of our honeymoon at the SVC. But be that as it may, we got back from our, our honeymoon and uh, my first church uh, in Windsor, North Carolina, was was waiting. Now, when you are an hour away from a restaurant where you can have a date night, you are way out in the country, uh, and that's where we were. We lived in the middle of a field on a country road that people would just pass by on their way to somewhere else, and it was that kind of a setting that a girl named Mary lived in, and that's where we begin this morning, with a a humble setting, a humble setting. So, what do we see here about Mary's hometown of Nazareth? Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, the text here describes Nazareth as a city. It is a city today. It's a teeming Arab city in northern Israel. But in the time of Jesus, it was not what we would call a city. It was a village at best. Archaeologists believe that there were like 400 people max at the time of Jesus that that lived in Nazareth. Uh, Even in an age in the first century where there weren't a lot of big cities. People still look down on on Nazareth. Um, we see that in John chapter one when uh, Nathaniel uh, is talking to Philip, uh, and we see this this conversation taking place John 1, 45 and forty six Philip found Nathaniel. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Hardly anybody lived there. The few people who did live there were very poor. And among those people was a poor, almost certainly illiterate, teenage girl named Mary. Let's look at verses 26 and 27 together. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. You know, Gabriel could have appeared to a king's daughter but instead, he appears to a daughter of the real king. You know, I think about the intro to that, the, the, the old sitcom, Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Well, you can better believe that no one outside of Nazareth knew Mary's name. But Mary knew her and set his favor upon her. And, 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 and chose her. You know, in her song of praise, the Magnificat, that comes right after this in chapter one, Mary recognizes her, her humble station in life, and she recognizes what it says about God that he would choose someone like her for this task. Look in your, your, your Bibles. Um, first of all, at, at, at chapter one, And verses 46 through 48. Luke 1 and beginning with verse 46. This is Mary's song of praise. What does she say here? And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Again, skip down to verse 51. Mary praises God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. It was a humble setting The second thing that we see here is that we see an honored visitor coming to Mary. Let's look at verse 26 again. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Gabriel appears earlier in chapter 1 when he encounters Zechariah in the temple. That meeting didn't go so well because Gabriel encounters this man, Zachariah in the temple. He tells him that his wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son who is going to be John the Baptist. And Zechariah really doesn't believe. He begins to question the angel Gabriel and sort of demands a sign from the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel doesn't like that. And so the result is that Zechariah was shut up and unable to speak for about nine months. And we read about that encounter earlier in this chapter. Look, look back to, um, to verses 18 through 20, about that, that first place that we meet the angel uh, Gabriel. Pick it up in verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? this time of year, the, the Christmas classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, but I don't think that Gabriel is much like the angel Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life, right? Uh, not at all. The Old Testament tells us when, when Daniel first encounters the angel Gabriel, D- Daniel tells us about his reaction. Upon seeing Gabriel in, uh, in Daniel um, 8 and verse 17, Daniel says there, so he came near, he being Gabriel, so he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. <laughs> Gabriel's not like Clarence at all. Verse, verse 28, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O oh favored one, the Lord is with you. The, the words here for greetings and favored one are both forms of the word charis, which is grace. And so this is gonna be all about the grace of God. It's all about God, it's all about him. What does Gabriel say to her? The Lord is with you. You see, God in, in, in choosing A humble girl like Mary, who comes from a humble place like Nazareth, God is revealing something about himself, that this is going to be about him. This is not going to be about human pretense or power. This is going to be about him. It's going to be about his grace. It's going to be all about his power. We we talked, I believe, last, last week about how we we see this playing out in the early church and the makeup of the people in the early church, which Paul gives us sort of a flavor of in First Corinthians one twenty-six through twenty-nine. And there he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You know, today, we, we sometimes have a tendency in the Christian community when a, when a, a big celebrity professes faith in Christ, we have a tendency sometimes in the Christian community to immediately want to put that person forward as an example. And you know, that's not really fair to that celebrity because they're a brand new Christian and they're re- usually not prepared to handle it. B- but also it sends an unspoken message. You know, and, and, the, and the unspoken message sometimes that we send when we do that is that, that God needs celebrities to get his work done. It seems here that God is saying exactly the opposite of that. The third thing that we see here is a holy birth. A holy birth. Let's check out verses 34 and 35. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit, Will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. We saw it in Isaiah chapter 7. Look at verse 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And it is a demonstration of power. The theologian Fleming Rutledge says this in her book on Advent. Natural processes could not have brought the Son of God. It is beyond the capacity of human parents to produce a child who is God. Humankind cannot bring forth a Jesus any more than it can bring forth true and lasting peace. Only God can do it. Only God will do it. Mary was just as helpless as Joseph to make this happen. The human impossibility Is overcome by the irresistible power of God. You know, we're calling this series Faces Around the Manger, and we're looking at these characters of Christmas, but really, this is all about God, right? It's all about Him, it's all about His power. But here's the incredible thing God chooses to work through people, people like Shepherds in a field, people like Joseph, people like Mary, people like you and me. What else do we see here about Mary? Let's talk about a handmaid of the Lord. A handmaid of the Lord. What what can we learn here about Mary and and, and what that says to to us? First of all, we we see here in the text that that Mary is afraid. (laughs) Um, Look at verse uh, twenty. Nine after Gabriel comes uh, and encounters her and speaks to her, what does verse 29 say? It says, but she was greatly troubled. <laughs> yes, she was. We would have been as well. She was afraid. How do we know that? Because what does Gabriel say to her in verse 30? First thing he says, he says, do not be afraid. Why would he tell her that? Because she was afraid. Now, this is the difference between a humble first century Jewish believer like Mary and too many of us who profess Christ today. Um, we are lacking oftentimes in our American Christian community, we are too often lacking a sense a reverence for the holiness of God. We don't have the sense of reverence for the holy that we should have. You know, we talk about angels like Gabriel, you know, as if they're kind of like our, our, our personal pals, our co-pilots. We talk about God as the man upstairs. Humble believing Jews like Mary in the first century did not think of God or think of his angels as their buddies. In fact, they weren't sure that they wanted God or the angel Gabriel to show up because they were acutely aware of their own sin and they were deeply aware of God's holiness, which is God's utter separation from sin. And we need to recapture more of that. But little does Mary know that she will will bear the one who will bear our sins on the cross so that sinners like us can be brought near to a holy God and be accepted as his own sons and daughters. Mary is afraid. The second thing that we see here is that Mary is curious. (laughs) What What does she say in in verse 34? Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, there's a difference here between Mary's spirit and Zacharias' attitude toward Gabriel. Because Mary is not, she's not doubting that it's going to happen, and nor is she demanding a sign that it's going to happen. She's just wondering, how is this going to happen? And Gabriel answers her ultimately in verse 37 when he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. <laughs> you know, one of the most, um, stressful things about Christmas sometimes is when we get the decorations down. And I don't know about in your house, but, you know, when you start untangling Christmas lights, that that can be, uh, yeah, I mean, Melissa's way, way, way better at this stuff than me. So you, she usually does that. And then after they're untangled, you put them up and you plug it in. And sometimes there's like a whole section that just doesn't light up. Well, help may be on the way. There was a British company um, that placed this ad. Like this was last year, right? This is pre-COVID, but they placed an, an, an ad for a special position um, for their, their their supermarket chain. And the, the, the job title was Christmas Light Untangler. <laughs> and the ad posting said this, This new position will offer you the chance to show that every little bit helps with a friendly, flexible approach that makes a genuine difference to the things that matter for our customers this Christmas. And then the ad went on to say that the ideal candidate for the job would be able to untangle 10 feet of lights in less than three minutes. God can untangle The worst of our problems in three seconds (laughs) or with just a word. God has untangled the worst of our problem, which is sin and death, by sending forth His Word, His ultimate self expression. The Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and and Jesus lived the perfect life that we can never live, died the atoning death on the cross that we could not die for sins, and rose from the dead so that death would be defeated for all who would trust in him. The third thing that we see about Mary is that she's yielded. She's yielded. There's There's a great old hymn Have Thine Own Way. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting. Yielded. And still, that was Mary. Yielded. Yielded to the will of God. And we see that in verse 38. Let's look at it. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. Now the word servant here is, is, is doulos. dulos can be translated as slave. In the, in the King James, it translates it as handmaid. Behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Now Luke one thirty eight got a lot of publicity a couple of months ago when Amy Coney Barrett was nominated to the Supreme Court. She's now Justice Barrett on the Supreme Court, but uh, when her name first got out there, th- she received some criticism um, for her faith and, and part of that criticism was directed to the fact that she was a part of a, of a Christian group and her, her role within that cr- Christian community was the, the role of, 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 of handmaid. And many were like, oh, she looks, she calls herself a handmaid, you know, it's really weird. They had like no clue this comes from Luke Luke 1 or that Mary says it about herself. What, what she's saying here when she says you know I'm, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord. She is saying Lord this is not about me. This is about you. Have thine own way. I am your servant. You know it, it's whatever whatever you decree. Y- your role is to decree. My role is to obey. She's like, I'm your servant. <laughs> I, it's what, whatever you desire. Like this is surrender. This is yieldedness, and this was courage, because the fact that this could potentially jeopardize her. Her engagement, her, her impending marriage to Joseph. Never mind. The, the fact that, you know, this could mean that her reputation in that community could be tarnished for the rest of her life or having a child out, out of, of wedlock and that people would, would whisper for the rest of her life. Never mind. This is courage. This is faith. This is yieldedness to, to God's will. This is Mary saying, God, my yes is already on the table for whatever, whenever, whatever you decree. Would you say that today for your own life as a believer? And if you're not yet a believer, there's good news for you. We're talking today about a miraculous birth. But there's a miraculous birth that can take place in your life because of this miraculous birth you can be born again. You can be brought from spiritual death to spiritual life, which is a miracle in itself because Jesus died and rose again for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this amazing story that none of us would have written. Surely we would have made all kinds of edits to this story. But Lord, your story is perfect. And it, it, and it reveals who you are. That you work through the lowly. That you will work through people who will humble themselves before you. That begins with humbling ourselves in, in repentance. And turning to your son as our savior and our king. Father, I pray for anyone here, anyone who's watching. This video, who has never done that, I pray that you would give people the grace right now to turn to Jesus and to trust him, to welcome him into their life as their savior and king. We, we pray that you would make all of us as believers yielded to your will, surrendered to your will, humbled before you, and ready and available for you.